Welcome to the Off Lead Podcast, presented by Gun Dog Outpost. My name is Tyler Meaden, and I'm your host. On this episode, we are kicking off hunt test season because, well, I consider everything from April 1st on to be uh, training and testing season. And to kick that off, we are talking about HRC hunt tests. To cover that topic, we welcome back Blaine Winans from Winans Retriever Kennels down in Kansas. Blaine's been training dogs for seven years. He pretty much runs HRC hunt tests exclusively. So what better person to have on to, to cover each level of test at a high level? Um, what's involved, where your dog should be at in order to run at each level. Uh, you know, I always enjoy chatting with Blaine, and, and this this conversation was no different. If you are not familiar with HRC Hunt Test, I think you're going to find a lot of value from this episode, and I would simply encourage you to see where your dog might fit in and go sign up and have some fun with your dog this summer. Now, before we get into the episode, we first have to talk about sponsors. So first, Gun Dog Outposts store that makes this show possible i have some new designs in the works for for hats shirts uh, sweatshirts that sort of thing so keep an eye out for that in the meantime i need you to head over to gundogoutpost.com and check out what's available today second is hoist aka iv level hydration in a bottle aka my post-training beverage of choice Um, you know i consider myself a tennis shoe trainer which is an old term where you know, I'm putting on some miles, running setups, introducing dogs to live birds, which I just did this past weekend. When I finished with that. Um, I reached for hoist, crushed the entire bottle in about 30 seconds, felt better, drove home, and spent some quality to family time. You know, with my, my wife and my daughter, which is which is good, right? I need to feel I need to feel good after I'm done. I'm not can't be wiped out from from a training session. Um, so, if you want to feel like a million bucks after you spent a couple hours outside with your dog or other dogs. Um, putting on some miles, head over to drinkhoist.com and use the code GUNDOGOUTPOST, all caps, one word, to get 10% off your order today. Now, last, but certainly not least, is Dakota 283 Kennels. They make top-of-the-line kennels and other dog products. Everything is top-notch. Um, you know, they, I have one of their kennels, and it's awesome. Uh, but just recently, they unveiled a new feature that you can add to your kennel purchase, Dakota Guard. So Dakota Guard is antimicrobial protection for the plastic on the inside of your kennel, or just everywhere in your kennel actually. Uh, protects against the likes of Salmonella, E. coli, and a host of other invisible organisms. Uh, Dakota Guard is added in small quantities during the production process. Uh, the result is a kennel that's free from microorganisms that can harm your four-legged and best hunting partner. It's just another way that Dakota 283 is going above and beyond to protect your pet. If you want to check out Dakota Guard or any of Dakota 283's lineup products, head over to Dakota283.com. Better yet, when you're there and you're ready to check out, use the code GDO10 to get 10% off your order today. All right, that's it for the intro. Let's dive into this episode. Blaine, welcome to the podcast. Tyler, thanks for having me back, man. Yeah, actually, I should say welcome back to the podcast because Blaine has been a guest before. Um, he was uh, the he was the guest on the episode where we talked about the difference between American and British Labradors, which was a fantastic episode. Thanks to Blaine's expertise. Uh, for those that have not listened or do not recall that, because I was like six months ago, probably. Uh, Blaine, why don't you give some background information on yourself, uh, name, location, maybe your kennel, any other backstory information you want to share? Uh, yeah, I'm Blaine Winans. I breed and train British Labradors here in Dot City, Kansas. Um, you know, I'm going on two years in the business and I've trained for the better part of, I would say, seven, seven and a half years. Um you know, I'm a British style trainer. I use pretty much exclusively the British methodology. Um, and yeah, man, I'm a, I'm a gun dog dude. That's I live, I eat, sleep and breathe it. Obviously. Obviously, obviously. Okay. So, uh, two questions for you. Um, so you've been doing this for seven and a half years. How old are you? I am 20. You're 20. 20. So he's been, so the, the, 
just for reference, folks, Blaine was 13 when he started. So it's um, his resume is long and yet he's just very, just very, very young yet, at least compared to me. I'm yeah, don't come back too far in my history. It's probably not very pretty. <laughs> my, tra my training skills aren't very pretty back in the day. Hey, as we, always. We, all right. We all start somewhere. I mean, and then you refine as you go. And obviously you touch a lot of dogs. So your skills are much more refined than mine. Um, and then the other question is for those that aren't familiar, what is, you know, you said you, you follow the British style of training primarily. What, what is the British style of training? The British style is, is, uh, very, very deliberate, very slow. And, and I think slow is maybe, you know, taken negatively by a lot of people. Um, it's just making sure dogs are maturing at their own pace and you're not pushing them. Um, they're, they're always, you know, you never want a dog to feel, you know, overly comfortable. You want your dog to feel challenged, but you know, you're never using pressure to get where you need to go. You're using a lot of positive reinforcement. You're using a lot of fun, um, and, and using the dog's desire and drive, which should be bred and innate as any good, well-bred retriever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Bingo. Bingo. And I think, the breeding piece is the big key. And we talked a whole bunch about that and <clears throat> philosophies and that in the other episode that we did. So we won't dive in, we won't go into that in any detail now, but um, I think that's a nice overview. Um, you know, you've been running your own kennel for two years now. How many dogs you got it, do you have in right now? 15. I got 15 dogs that I'm, that I'm working with right now. And, and that's a, that's a good workload for me right now. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I got a pretty good group right now. It's good. That's a very, very good thing as we had talked about earlier, um, before we started recording. And then how many personal dogs do you have? Personally, I have six dogs, six, um, six personal dogs that I will breed. And I have three sires and three dams. I'm in the process of importing another dam. Um, and that's kind of an ongoing deal still, um, you know, kind of, I'm very particular. I'm very, mm -hmm. uh, I'm kind of a perfectionist when it comes to, you know, what I put out and what, what has my name on it. You know, I want to make sure that dogs that I import, dogs that I breed, dogs that I train, uh, that's the wine and retriever you know, style and, and my philosophy and what I want out of a great retriever. What, uh, okay. I'm going, I'm going deep here. We'll, we'll get to the topic at hand eventually here. Once I stop asking, questions. <laughs> but what, what is the style? Like, what do you want the style of dog that your kennel is producing to be? You know, and, and maybe, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, I'm totally special in, in the way I think about what a great retriever is. It's just, it's a lot of, you know, I want a dog that's got great drive that has that high, high ceiling that, you know, can fit everyone's needs. You know, whether you say, hey, I'm a, I'm a field trialer, whether I'm a, a, an avid hunt tester, or I'm a guy that hunts 60, 90 days a year, or you're that guy that, hey, I hunt two weekends a year. I have four kids and a wife, and I want a great, great family dog that can also be a great hunting dog. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They want the total package, essentially. Right, exactly. I don't want anyone to feel alienated at my kennel. Everyone should be able to buy a dog from me that can fit their needs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You, I mean, so you want the total package, which is makes sense why you're so selective. I mean. Absolutely, so, absolutely. You know. And I think, you know, uh, this is a business and this is a, you know, a for-profit organization, but, uh, you know, first and foremost, you've got to have great quality. I mean, if you're going to make it and have any sort of longevity, you've got to have great quality or, you know, you're going to know really quickly that you're not being selective enough and you're not putting out good results. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, is there a uh, particular color of lab that um, you'll be breeding for? Or is it just the color doesn't matter? I, I don't breed for color. I get that a lot. Um, you know, I'll have black, yellow, and, you know, the Brits believe, you know, you have black, you have yellow. Um, I will say, you know, we have red, uh, just a darker shade of yellow. Yes. Uh, no chocolates. That's, you know, no chocolate at a British kennel. Um, and same for me, no chocolates. But, you know, I don't breed for color. I'm breeding for personality, for drive, for biddability. You know, just a dog that wants to be with you, wants to work for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, I, you know, Fox red is like the new kind of trendy type of it, it, it's, it's a yellow lab. It's a yellow lab. Right. I mean, that's what, it's what it is. You don't register it as a, as a Fox red lab. I mean, I have a Fox red lab, you know, he's, he's got the dark color. You can see him. Nobody else can see him, but, um, right. yeah. Yeah. you know, but it's, he's a yellow lab, <clears throat> but I do like the dark, dark red color. Obviously I'm preferential to it. And I may seek out future dogs that have that color too. Cause it's grown on me. 
Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, just, you know, I, I'm not really partial to any color cause I'm a trainer. So I'm, I'm looking at a lot of other stuff, but I, you know, I, I see a, a really, you know, great looking black lab. I'm like, man, there's something about a black Labrador or I see a really good looking yellow dog. And I'm like, man, that is a beautiful yellow dog, you know? So I go back and forth really, to be honest, I couldn't, I couldn't pick. Yeah, no. And that's, that's fair. I mean, all, I, you know what, the dog has a lot of natural ability and it is really good at what they do. I don't really care what color they are. Um, Orange, yeah. green, purple. Yeah, it could be, it could be whatever color. Uh, if they're a good gun dog. I, yes, please. That's what, what i'm after so all right um anyway so i could take us down about 50 other rabbit holes but let's uh let's get into the topic at hand so blaine you you do run hunt tests correct yeah yeah and is there an organization that you um particularly run under yeah hrc the hunting retriever club that's exclusively what i run in um i really haven't ran any other tests the akc i haven't done any, you know, super retriever series, anything like that, pretty much the only testing or evaluation of my dogs is strictly done with the hunting retriever club. Perfect. Perfect. You're the perfect person to have on here then, because obviously you're going to know the, the ins and outs of HRC hunt tests, which is the, uh, it's really the theme, right? Um, you know, we're getting into, uh, it's the end of March here. Um, you know, it's when this will, this podcast episode will get released. So, we are into hunt test season, training season and hunt test season. So I call it training season because I really enjoy training. Um, and, you know, Blaine's here to educate us on HRC hunt tests, essentially. So that's what we're going to talk about. Um, I think it's going to be really, really good. Um, so for those that that are not familiar, HRC hunt tests, like what, is, what does HRC stand for? Let's just start way at the beginning. Uh, it's the Hunting Retriever Club. Perfect. Um, and then like the hunting retriever club test. So like how many levels are there? Like, you know, is there a theme to the tests? So there's, well, I mean, you could, I, I consider there to be four levels. Um, you could throw the upland hunt in there as another level, which, sure. which is a legitimate. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is another type of test, but I say four just to keep it simple. Uh, there's a started test, which is very, you know, you sh- what it sounds like. It's very simple, very straightforward, very easy, very accessible for the for the the beginner, the newbie to get into. Uh, then there's the season test. You know, you take that step up. It's a little more serious, a little more formal, uh, a little more restrictive rules wise. And then finished, you ramp it up a little more. Uh, you'll start to see a few more pros around for sure. You start to be a little more serious. Um, and then they have what's called the grand, which I've actually never personally ran, but is a, a test. Um, that's pretty much the peak of the HRC's testing and evaluation. That is, that is the, that's the world series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for someone that's never run an HRC hunt test, like what are, what are some things that, that you would see at like, like all levels? Um, you know, like what are the, what are the common themes? There's a couple of things I'm going for here. Like uh, for equipment wise, you would see like bird launchers, you know, I mean, you're going to see launchers that are obviously going to be camouflaged. Uh, You're going to be on a bucket, you know, you're going to need to be able to maneuver your dog around a bucket. Uh, They will be using live birds. Judges, you'll have uh, a couple judges that will oversee the test. We'll make sure everything, you know, you're following the rules, you're everything's going okay. Marshals, um, just to make sure the tests are running smoothly, everybody's getting through quickly, efficiently, and everybody's happy and we're not having any, any problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, okay. Perfect. A lot of good stuff there. And then let's, okay. So obviously there's, there's different levels and at these levels, you, you earn various titles, right? So, right. Um, you know, let's start at the beginning. So you said the started test, right? Uh, how many of those do you have to pass before you, um, your dog would earn a started title? So to earn a starter title, you need four passes. So realistically, to put it in layman's terms, you need two weekends. So if you went, you know, a Saturday, Sunday, and let's pretend your dog went four for four. So in two weekends, your dog should be able, you should have a started uh, hunting retriever title, an SHR title. Um, And and that's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. It's two uh, water singles, two land singles. And when I say singles, I mean, you know, there's going to be one bird popping out of the launcher either dropping onto a field, dropping into a pond or whatever. 
uh, and you can hold the collar. Uh, your dog does not have to be steadied. Your dog doesn't have to be hold conditioned. Your dog doesn't have to hold birds. It just has to deliver in the vicinity of you. Um, and you'll have someone else um, shooting for you. And I believe that's an option. I've never chose to not have a shooter, but is that, I believe that's an option. Yeah, I think you can. The I don't think I've ever seen a, anybody actually say that they want to handle a gun at this target level. And I think the tests that I've run and the tests I've seen, the judges are like, does anyone want to handle a gun? And everyone says no. And the judges are like, good. Because if you said yes, I would strongly recommend you don't handle the gun. Right, right. <laughs> so <laughs> you got enough to worry about. You got a young dog to, to yeah. maneuver around and deal with. Yeah. And so speaking of that, right. So that's like the beginner, the entry level. Um, you know, I wish more people would, would go and try to run a started hunt test with their dog just to get a flavor for what these are like, because they can be really fun and really addicting. And it's a great way. It's a great way to spend a weekend, you know, during the summer with your dog and a great excuse for your dog to go pick up birds and train and all that stuff. But what, what level do they need to be at? Like how old should they be? Um, you know, what, you know, through what formality of training, what skills do they need to have? So, you know, I'm the type of trainer that doesn't like to label like a certain age. You know, I'm not going to say it needs to, your dog needs to be a year old. You know, every dog's different. Every dog yep. progresses differently at a different pace, uh, you know. But I would say your dog, in my opinion, of course, this is totally uh, my opinion on this at least first point. Um, all my dogs are steady. Uh, by the time I take them to a starter test, I'm not holding a collar. A lot of times my dogs aren't even wearing a collar for, for you know, when they jump into ponds and, you know getting stuck on a log, whatever, just a safety reason. But I also, I believe that if we are to the point of evaluating and testing, the, the simple, the simplicity of steadiness should be hammered down and, and, and over with, um, to say you, you are holding a collar. I'm not holding it against you. I think that's totally fine. You're playing by the rules. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just a personal preference. Um, and really, you don't need much, man. I mean, it's really, it's like I said, really straightforward. It's just a, your dog has to want to retrieve and you have to have a, a recall whistle. I mean, can you, can you recall your dog after the dog picks up the bird and can the dog get it close to you? Um, and, and that's pretty much it. Um, they don't get too serious about you touching the dog, which um, from levels beyond started, they will like mm -hmm. you cannot put your hand on the dog. A lot of disqualifications because of that. Um, some have been a little questionable, but we'll not get into that. Um, but in the, in the starting category, you really can, it's really laid back. I mean, it's really like, like you're saying, Tyler, I mean, if you're a novice just getting into this, I mean, this is, this is not high stakes. This is not really nerve wracking. I mean, if you're, if it's nerve wracking, you're making it nerve wracking because it's very laid back. Oh yeah. Uh, I will say, so like that I started out, you know, I signed up for a, Actually, I didn't sign up. I drove up and did a walk up, got up at four in the morning and drove two hours to a, a started hunt test. It's like, okay, we're just going to do this. We're going to jump into the deep end. And that was as nervous as, as I can remember being, you know, you know, for like many, many years prior, because you, you know, I had never experienced that before. Um, and yes, like I knew my dog could do the work. Um, but yet you walk up there, it's just you and your dog, you have people watching you and it's just like, oh my gosh, like I was just like shaking like a leaf, you know, like right. really like it's crazy um, how, you know, the nerves can get to you. But to your point, it's not, you know, it's not a test that is going to be, you know, if you, if you train, do some training with your dog, you should be able to pass those, pass those tests. Um, yeah you know, but it's a great way to get started. I like, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan. Like everybody should run their own dog and started. Yeah. And, and I'm going to, you know, I'll circle back to finally answering your question about, you know, just kind of the age demographic for this test. I would say you should hover between the, the eight to 15 months. I would say eight months is pretty young. You're not going to see a lot of eight month old dogs out there. That's, that's pretty young. Mm -hmm. um, and 15 months is around that year to 15 months is probably the rough average for sure and that's you know i think i took i think mac was like eight months and that was a big that was a big experience for him and right. it's set me up for a lot of you know issues down the road here that i still deal with because 
you know, <laughs> it was, it was a brand new, very, very exciting experience, um, that he learned quickly when he's at, he, you know, he's, I have a lot less control over him there than I do anywhere else. <laughs> it's, it's tough to reel him in coach. You get that game day jersey oh, on and it's oh, go time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. We have, we have belabored, um, started tests. So, um, you know, we won't talk anymore about that. I would just encourage anyone who hasn't run one before, like go try one. It's, you know, the cost is like 60 bucks or something. Take a friend. I mean, yeah. make it a social event. I mean, seriously, guys. I mean, it's, it's fun. Make it fun. Pack a cooler. Make it a family affair. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Bring a, bring a grill, like grill out, you know, you know, just make sure you're done running. So you don't puke while you're on the line. If you get nervous like me, um, and yeah, make it, make it a day, make it a good time. I mean, no excuse to not have a good time with this. So, all right. Started test. You get four of them. You get, um, you get your started title. Now there's also points associated with the different right. levels in HRC. So you got to, uh, what, what are the point, how much, how many points do you earn for started passes? Uh, each pass, so say you you would pass it the test Saturday, you'd get five points. You pass the test Sunday, you get another five points. So in total, you should have 20 points to get your started hunting retriever title. Okay. Perfect. 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 Okay. 20 points. So then you get you get your 20 points, you get your started title, and then we move on to the, uh, the season level, which um, is probably going to feel like a big jump. But what is involved in a season hunt test? Um, let's just start with that. What's involved in the season hunt test? So it's, it's a lot more formal, you know, we've kind of stepped up, you know, it's getting a little more serious. You're starting to see a few pros around, not just a few, I mean, quite a few, you know, yes. it's, it's, it's a competitive affair now. Um, mm -hmm. And you're going to see double a double on land and water. And by double, I mean, you know, you're going to have to handle the gun. First of all, you're going to have to understand how to handle a, a shotgun. Um, and, you know, one of the birds going to come out of the launcher, you're going to shoot a popper, dog's going to have to be steady out of heel with you. Uh, you're going to rotate, turn, um, shoot another popper, and, you know, the second bird's going to fall. And then, you know, a lot of guys choose to, to send their dog on the last fall. I personally, you know, line my dog up, um, usually to the last fall anyway, but I line my dogs. A lot of guys just send them off as like it's on a mark. Mm -hmm. um, then you'll run a land blind and a water blind. And those are really don't get too crazy intimidated by those. I mean, it's, they're not big blinds. I mean, I think they're 50 yards. I think the rule book says 50, 60 yards. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it, it, it's, I mean, it, which sounds, you know, when you look at when a lot of people think in football terms, you know, from end zone to 50 yard line, you're like, my God, that's a long ways. But you look, you get to the test and you're like, that's not a long ways. <laughs> it's right there in your face. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. Like, you know, there a lot of times they'll use like a piece of tape or, or you know, some ribbon or so, something to, to mark it where you can see where you're headed. Um, and you'll be surprised how, how close it is, but I would definitely say you should not be running your first blind, um, on test day. <laughs> uh, please do not do that. Please, please do not do that. Do yourselves, do the judges, do everyone a favor. Do not run your first blind. I've seen it. Uh, and, and I felt very, very sorry for the man, but, uh, don't do not do that. Um, and you're going to deal with a walk up. A lot of times that's the first thing you do coming out of the holding blind. And that's another thing I want to point out. Um, you're going to need a dog that is steady to the walk up on a heel. And the easiest way to handle that in training and preparing for that is I just load, whether it's your handheld launcher or shoulder mounted launcher, shoulder mounted is a little better because it kind of simulates the shotgun being thrown up to your arm, but either way it'll work. Walk with your dog with a heel, whether it's on lead, off lead, uh, shoot the launcher, make sure your dog's steady, send the dog. Mm -hmm. um, it's very easy. You can do it totally alone. You don't yes. need any help. Yes. Um, and it's pretty much picture perfect preparation for that walk up. Uh, you know, the bird will come out of the launcher, dog's at a heel, you shoot the popper, send the dog and, and, and don't get too, you know, I've seen a I mean, it's happened to me. Dog, you know, takes a couple creeping steps. You tell him to heal, send him. I mean, so it's it's a step up. It's it's a lot more formal, but it's not. You know, we're we're not out there. You know, really critiquing the heck out of each other. Like, you know, there can be small errors. Uh, obviously, they're very very strict about you know putting your hands on the dog. That that can't happen. Um, it's just a just a way to keep things fair. So just try to really train your brain. I struggle with it because I. 
you know, I have a tendency to pet my dog every time they bring in a retrieve, you know, whether it's just a pat mm -hmm. on the head or a stroke of the ear or whatever. Don't do that. I'm um, not saying that they'll they shouldn't DQ you um, because a lot of guys understand, Hey, it's muscle memory, Yep. but just try and, and, and remember going into the test day. Just once you leave the holding blind, don't touch your dog. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you'll deal with what's a diversion bird, um, yes. which will either be on the land or water series. I've seen it most of the time in the water series, which is just your dog's coming back with usually the last retrieve of the double. Um, they fire off another bird out of a, a launcher. That's usually a short bird. I mean, it's maybe 20, 30 yards, not far at all. A very easy retrieve. The difficulty is just making sure your dog will hold the bird that they have. They will let you take it. And then you send them on that diversion bird. Mm -hmm. It's good. And how, like how far in front of you or the dog, you and the dog, cause the dog is at heel. Does a bird land on the walk up? Um, I would, I mean, I 30 yards, 40 yards. I mean, it's, it's a very quick, easy retrieve. I, yeah. most walk-ups I've seen it's, it's, I've never seen a dog screw up a walk up on the retrieving aspect. It's usually been the steadying aspect. Yeah. Yeah. No, same. I I'm surprised it's been 30 yards. I think the season test that I've seen and run, it's like 10 or 15. It is like, Right, right. It's it's in your face, um, right, which right. will will test your dog's steadiness. You know, anytime a bird lands right. right in front of them like that, it's just a lot of temptation. Yeah, and I would and I would say there's a lot of, you know, the the HRC does a good job to keep it as fair as possible nationwide. With hey, these are the rules. Yep. We try to keep things as as even of a playing field as possible, but there are going to be slight differences. I mean, let's be honest, every launcher is different the bird flies a little different that day. Uh, the wind's different. The terrain's different. I mean, so every test you go to is going to be a little different. I mean, it's just the way the world is and, and you deal with it. So it makes it fun though, too. It's like, you know, there's different right. grounds that create different things that are going to influence your dog and, you know, they're going to influence the test and the test setup. And, um, so it makes it fun though, too. It's a challenge. Absolutely. Absolutely. At the season level, how important is it to practice handling the gun? I mean, I would say it's about as important as it can be. And thank you for bringing that up because I almost forgot. You see more DQs. I've seen more DQs on the handler aspect of handling the gun, meaning what the chamber has to be open, the safety has to be on, um, than, than anything else. I mean, so I would really, I mean, even if you're just sitting out in your front yard and your neighbors are staring at you thinking, man, you're a weirdo. Um, with your broomstick mounted to your shoulder as you're rotating on this bucket. Hey, just say, Hey, it's okay. I'm, I'm working this out. I'm making sure I'm not going to sabotage my dog. <laughs> no, um, it's, it's yeah, absolutely. got to do what you got to do. And just relax. I mean, it doesn't, I mean, I find the more relaxed you can go in and I know that's hard for a lot of guys, you know, that are just starting out that haven't done this before. Maybe it's their first season test and the grand started, but seasoned is a whole new animal. Mm -hmm. uh, just, you know, relax, man, just go slow. The slower you can go, the better bird's not going anywhere the dog's going to remember where the bird fell relax just relax mm -hmm. yeah no, that's good i think that's really really good um and uh what model gun do they use in these tests um it's I, to be honest i couldn't tell you the pump i mean it's just a pump a pump yeah. action shotgun. i couldn't tell you the, is that what you're uh, meaning yeah yeah i think i think it's oh, the yeah, i think it's right, the, right, right. the model i think it's there. the eight i think it's the 870 remington 870 i believe probably yeah that would sound about right i just i just know it's a pump i really <laughs> you're like i don't even care i've handled it a million yeah times. you know i i just i swing it around i pump a few poppers out of it and i i go on my way do you do you uh own that do you own an 870 that you practice with or just any pump you practice with any pump yeah, I just use I uh I use an old pump of my father's actually. I I have a, a fully automatic that I hunt with, but I have a, a training shotgun that's a pump. And I, as a matter of fact, now that we've talked about this, I'm going to get that gun out and actually figure out what model this is gun. <laughs> I never even sat there and thought about it. It's just my training gun. It's my training gun. Is it all rusted out? No, I actually my my dad is a is a clean freak when it comes to his firearms and it it's immaculate. I've tried to keep it that way because he likes to remind me that hey, that's still my gun, young man. <laughs> that's, that's great. That's fantastic. Oh my gosh. Okay, yeah, I would. Uh, my piece of advice based on my experience running seasoned is practice like run a simulated test and just practice handling the mechanics of the gun so that you're thinking about handling your dog and not the gun at the test. And that was absolutely, that made a huge difference for me. Huge, huge difference. Um, all right. 
So season test, how many points do you, how many passes do you need and how many points do you get for? Uh, it's a recurring test? thing with the HRC, you need four passes. Um, it's 10 points per pass. So you get 40 points to receive what's called the hunting retriever title. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, where it gets a little more serious, you know, I mean, to get four season passes, I mean, that's not a fluke. It's not an accident. I mean, there's something going on there between you and your dog that, I mean, I would say you definitely, you, you achieve something that's worth talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, perfect. And <clears throat> okay. Then we move on to the big step up the finished level. So right. they call it the finished level, which means you got to have a finished gun dog. What is involved in a finished level hunt test? So a finished test, I mean, it's just a, a step up. You can see a lot of incremental stuff with the HRC. Um, it's a triple. So three birds falling, you still handling the gun, the dog. And, and I'm going to really, you know, from the start, uh, the dog cannot be on lead. Um, the dog has to be totally off lead the entire time. The etiquette and the manners are incredibly, you know, valued incredibly high at, at this level of test. So, I mean, you really need to iron out with your dog, you know, the walk to the bucket from the holding blind. Hey, we're chilled out in the holding blind. Um, and that, I feel like I have kind of an unfair advantage on the British side because I really don't have to work that hard at that kind of stuff. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I'm just going to, I'm going to stick it to the American guys just one time. And I'm done. Do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so yeah, really seriously, uh, I would really, you know, don't overlook that. It's easy to overlook because you're thinking about, I got this triple, I got this big blind. I got to be able to, to handle my dog. Hey, first things first, make sure the etiquette and the manners are, are immaculate. So there's just, there's no question there. You know, there's no early DQ. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, um, to your point about coming out of the holding blind under control, I think I nearly failed the first finish test that I ran because, Mac was rocking and ready to go. And I said, heal. And I took one step and he just jumped out of sit. And essentially like his back legs were even with my front legs. And I was like, heal. And he, you know, then <laughs> immediately jumps back into heel. Like he was fired up. And I, and I was, uh, you know, I was talking to the judges after I failed and like there, I saw something like can, they had, there was a note there about control question mark, like out of the holding blind because of that, that move, like right there immediate. And then we walked and it was fine, but like, you know. And and that's, you know, I mean, I understand where the judges are coming from because in the finish test, I mean, you're, you're dealing with most of the time. I, and you see guys trying, you know, that are running finish tests with two-year-old dogs that are passing. And, yep. and congratulations to them. But for the most part, I would say your dog needs to be, you know, the British mentality is three years old. The dog's not mature until three years old. And I would say, I mean, there's no rush guys. There's no rush to make it to these finished tests. I mean, set yourself up for success. Mm-hmm. You know, don't, don't show up and sabotage yourself because you haven't given your dog enough time to mature and, and taken enough time to iron these things out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So the, the test itself, right? We got three, we got a triple, right? And a, and a blind, like. Right. On the land and water series. So you'll have a, tri- a land triple, a water triple, a land blind and a water blind. And, and it's just kind of the blinds are, you just up the ante. I mean, it's greater distances. Um, you know, handling is, is, is critiqued for sure. Um, yeah. I believe I've, I've never had to, I believe you get one handle. Is that correct? I mean, I believe you get one handle. Yeah, on a on a mark, yeah, yep. You get on one a mark. Hand. On a yep. mark, you get one handle. I've actually never. I've only handled my dog one time on a blind, so I'm. I, I believe, yeah, because on yep. a mark, because I've seen now that I'm thinking back when I run and finish tests, I've seen guys handle dogs a lot mm-hmm. on blinds, which is which is fine because these are much more difficult. I would say they're, um, hundred and you know, I'm. It's hard to it's hard to gauge distance. I would say 150 yards. Mm-hmm. I mean it. I mean, it's a, it's a difficult blind. It's, it's not a, it's not a grade school blind. It's a, it's a definitely a big step up. Yeah. Yeah. And so like the, the going back to like the season level blinds, when, when you, the season level tests you've run, were they run from the same spot that you ran the marks or did you walk away from the, from where the marks are to a different essentially line and run the blind from the, from right. So you, you kind of, you, you step away, um, you step away from the bucket to line your dog up for the blind. I mean, it's usually, you know, we're not talking, you know, you, you know, don't get too paranoid about your dog healing with you for 
you know, 50, hundred yards. I mean, it's usually very close. Yep. Um, you're not moving around a great deal, you know, 15, 20 yards are scooting over uh, to line up for the blind. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, you are stepping away really, to be honest, I forgot you do step away. I just yeah. kind of do it naturally because it's so close. Yep. Yeah. Right. Right. You've done it so many times, but then at the finish level, like it's all the same spot and you're probably, your blinds are, you know, running, you know, through old falls, you know, over different pieces of water, land, water, land, water, land. I mean, yes. you're, it's, it, they're, they're very complex. Yep, absolutely. And that's, and that's something that I think in the finish level, um, you know, the, the advantage that a lot of professional trainers have is, you know, we do this every day. This is our eight to five. So we have the time to prepare and run these setups where the guys like you, Tyler, like a lot of guys that, Hey, it's not that they're not knowledgeable. It's not that they're not you know, good trainers. It's just that the, the practicing a finished setup takes a lot of time, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and, and takes proper grounds, you know, mm-hmm. to really prepare your dog for, for these marks and blinds, you know, you can't, you can't just go to your, your field from down the street. You got to kind of figure out a good place to train. That's going to suit your needs. Mm-hmm. Bingo. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, um, they're, they're difficult. They're going to, they're going to test your dog. I mean, the, you know, the water blinds that I ran were, you know, we, we went land, water, land, water, land. I mean, there were multiple re-entries, you know, I mean, you're talking angle entries, you know, um, up the gut, you know, between marks, like you just very, very difficult, you know, it's, and you, if your dog hasn't seen that you're in, you're in a world of trouble at the finish level. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, you know, don't, do not rush to, to the, to the finish tip level. I mean, it's, it's something that you really need to prepare for. And, and I'm, you know, my mentality is, you know, I don't title dogs as fast as other professional trainers. And that's partly because of my British style, my British method. Uh, but, you know, I don't like to sweat on the bucket. You know, when I show up to a test and, hey, my dog's running a finished test, uh, I'm not nervous about the dog. I'm nervous about myself, you know, or whatever, you know, making sure I'm doing the right things. I never want to be sitting there on the bucket going, man, I really don't know. This water blind is probably going to fall apart on me. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, Yep. You know, you never want to be thinking that it's one of the worst feelings in the world, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, for sure. For sure. Um, you know, I've, I've been there. I mean, you know, the, the first finished test I ran last summer, it was, uh, the water setup was, you know, it was, it was a big time water setup. Um, you know, I was chatting with some pros there and it was like, yeah, you know, very similar test set up three years ago when, you know, all eight dogs on my truck failed, you know, wow. and yep. Yep. And this time, you know, all of it, all six or eight of his dogs passed, you know, he'd seen it before he was older, more seasoned and had his dogs prep for it, you know, and I looked at it and I'm like, you know, I've, I've prepped, but I don't know. I don't know if I prep for anything this big. Right. Well, and, and I mean, that's in, in mm-hmm. guys, I, I to all everybody listening here, please don't go in thinking that you're the first guy to ever fail a hunt test. Nope. That, believe me. You're not the first. Do not be embarrassed. Do not be ashamed. Um, I've I've failed a, a couple tests. I mean, it's it it happens. It's okay, um, you know. Especially when we're talking about the the finish level. Especially, I mean, it, it happens, man. It's okay. Mm-hmm. We're talking about really difficult stuff. You know, just minor, minute errors that that you know can can cause you to fail. You know, we're you know you're asking your dog to be pretty damn perfect that day. Yep. Yeah. I mean, your dog needs to be taking every cast. You don't, you can't have a bunch of cast refusals on your blinds. I mean, you get, they gotta, they gotta stay online to your blind. I mean, there's like, it's, it's, it's critiqued. It's judged at a very, 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 very high standard. Absolutely. So, um, so obviously like finished, finished test needs to be a finished gun dog. Like you need to be through whatever type of training program you're following, whether it's a British style training program and American style, it doesn't matter. You need to be at the end of that. You know, you need to be doing advanced stuff. I don't think I asked this, like the season level, like where should your dog be at? Like, it, it, you know, to backtrack the season level, that's really, I would say your dog should understand how to take a left, right and back cast uh, to run the blind for sure. Uh, your dog should be able to take a line to run your blind. Uh, your dog should obviously have been introduced to uh, doubles, you know, regularly, you know, mm-hmm. off a launcher, not, you know, hand thrown doubles, you know, from mm-hmm. your side, but real doubles that, you know, fall out in front of them, you know, they should be used to you handling the gun, using the gun. 
Um, and you can be pretty lax when it comes to the, to the, you know, you don't need your dog to be able to run a 130 yard blind beautifully, you know, to run a season test. You know, if, if your dog can handle a 75 yard, 80, 80 yard blind with a cast or two, okay, great, let's do it. But, um, you know, I would say, you know, you, you need those things, you know, for sure. Your dog needs to be able to understand the stop whistle, understand the left, right back mm -hmm. and understand doubles and understand how to take your line for, yeah. you know, just a short blind. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's, yeah, that's good. Well, so I feel like, uh, okay, actually I got a couple more questions. Uh, finished test. How many do you have to pass? You need four passes. Four that's passes, pretty, so. yeah, everybody, you know, for, it's pretty easy to remember all levels of test you need four passes. These are worth 15 points. Um, and, and the, I do get the, I have had this question a lot from people. You need to pass the land and the water series to consider one, it's one pass. Mm -hmm. You don't get one pass from passing the land series mm -hmm. and one pass from the water. You get one pass in total from passing both that day. Got it. Got it. All right, everyone. I want to jump in here and just add a bit of color and context to HRC tests and the point system because we didn't go this in depth on, on the podcast. We just we just didn't get there. Uh, so to get an HRCH or a finished title, you do need to pass four finished tests, but you also need to have 100 points. So you can earn all of those points from running finished tests, but you'd have to pass, run and pass more than four finished tests. You can run started, right? Each started, each started pass is five points, and you can you can acquire a title with four passes to get you twenty points. You can carry ten of those points forward, and if you have a started title, you only need three passes at the season level to earn your season title. If you're just running season and you you skip started, you need four passes at the season level. Uh, you know, then you'll have your either way you'll have. Uh, your, your points, your 10 points from, from started, you'll have 30 points that you can carry forward from seasoned. And then you have to get the remaining 60 to get to 100 to get your HRCH or finished title. So it's a little bit convoluted. It's a little bit, I can get a little bit confusing if this is the first time that you've heard it or seen it. Um, the quickest way to, to get your title would be to run two started tests, three season tests, and then four uh, finished tests. But I... I would say just go through each level and enjoy the process. It's more fun that way. Anyway, take your time, enjoy it. I hope this added a little bit more uh, clarity to the discussion uh, around tests and titles and points in the HRC world. Perfect. Um, and then um, that answers that. And then, you know, I, my question for you, and this is just a personal opinion question right. is the, is the bigger jump from started to season or from season to finished? Like what's the bigger jump for you as a trainer? And you as a, and, and you're you know, I would, I would honestly say that jump from season to finished to, for me, mm -hmm. um, because I think a lot of dogs are capable of running a season test. You know, I, I would say most dogs that are field bred, whether it's a golden, an American lab, a British dog, British Labrador. I mean, most retrievers should be able to handle a season test with proper training, with proper, you know, tender love and care. Um, when you get to that finished level, your, your dog has to first and foremost be pretty special and you got to know what the heck you're doing. Yep. I mean, you know, for lack of a better word. Yep. 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 I, I, I agree, but I mean, it's always interesting. People have different perspectives on that because you, you, there's a whole bunch of different skills you have to add from started to seasoned. Yeah. And you, con which is like, true. you contrast true. that versus the amount of polish you have to have from seasoned to finished um right and, and i mean and i and i say this completely humbly i don't say this arrogantly you know to to the novice out there that jump from started to season might be might be you know maybe i'm, yeah. I'm giving a bad perspective in that sense you know where yeah i mean that you're you're exactly right you know stuff that i might overlook the guy with his personal dog might think hey man this is a lot to take in and, and i understand you know i was there at one point i mm -hmm. was that scrawny 13 year old kid you know running my first season test having to throw that gun to my shoulder that weighed more than me and <laughs> try and handle it around. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I Absolutely. I, I definitely get it. Absolutely. Excellent. Perfect. I think that's a, a great way to um, sort of end that conversation. Unless, is there anything I missed about tests? 
Uh, no, not really. Um, and hey, YouTube guys, I mean, we're in the, we're in the 21st century. We're in 2021 now. YouTube the heck out of the test you're running. So you can kind of really visualize it. I mean, you can listen to me and Tyler talk about this stuff, but I mean, YouTube is your best friend when it comes to this, when it comes to making yourself feel a little more secure, a little more comfortable seeing what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Yep. I agree. Trust me. It'll give you an, it'll give you a great idea. You don't have to go to a test. You can just watch it on YouTube and get an idea of what's involved. And you think your dog could do the work. Absolutely. Perfect. All right. I think that's a great way to wrap up the conversation about uh, HRC hunt test, at least from a high level perspective, Blaine. But I did this last time. I want to do a quick rapid fire session again, where I flip out a quick list of questions to you. First thing that comes to your mind, you just shout out the answer and then we'll wrap right. things up. So I asked you all the standard questions last time. So I had to come up with some new ones here. Um, And these are, none of these are like dog related. Um, But I need to know the first, first question I have for you is pepperoni or sausage pizza? Sausage. Okay. All right. Um, And then what is your favorite food? Man, I'm a Kansas boy, Kansas beef steak. I got to go with steak, man. You just can't beat it. Okay. That's good. I like that. I, I love a good steak and I love a good sausage pizza too, but I'm not too picky. Um, all right. And then it's obviously NCAA tournament basketball season. Who oh, did you, you had to bring it up? Oh, you had to you bring it up. my Jayhawks fell last night. Come they on. Did. They did. I, well, I wasn't even going to bring up that they lost by like 25 points or whatever, but I want oh, to know. You just had to throw the number out there too. <laughs> good Lord. <laughs> I want to know who did you pick in your bracket? Who's your champion? All right. I'm going to sound like a total loser, but I, I kind of thought KU was going to make like a little Cinderella run. We had the talent, man. We just, we, we wasn't our year. And I, yeah. I know I probably year. sound like a, like a, like a kid saying, you know, picking his favorite team, but I can't help myself. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm too loyal. Yeah, no, that's, that's, no, that's, fa- that's fair. That's a weird year. You could pick anybody. I mean, look who's left. It's, you know, a bunch of non-traditional schools are left. Um, my, I'll, I will shamefully admit that for some reason I picked Illinois to win the national championship and they bombed out to Loyola. Um, I don't know why I picked Illinois. Like they had, they had a couple of studs. I think that's why, but right. I, I should have known better because their coach is just a horrible coach. You just cannot do one to actually win a national title. Anyway, uh, let's move on from that. Cause my Badgers fell in the second round to Baylor, yada, yada, yada. Um, so we're both, our team, both teams are out, right? You know? Yeah, we're we're just sad saps, just watching. You know who's going to win? Yep. And I, I just I just like watching good basketball, so I'm okay. But yeah, I'll I'll get over it. I'll get over it in a couple months, maybe. Couple months, I know. That's typically <laughs> that sounds about right. The KU basketball fans are uh, diehards, and they're the ones that I know are generally big time smack talkers too. So, yeah, I uh, I'm pretty competitive when it comes to you know because I was a baseball player and you know, I, mean, I I talk some trash when it comes to the to the Hawks, man. Mm-hmm. I do. I, I can't help it. I mean, this year this year has been a rough year, but I I'm gonna make a a pretty weak excuse, but I think it it might be a little valid. No fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm telling you, Allen Fieldhouse, when it's packed with 16,000 people, it's, it's something else. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for sure. For sure. All right. Um, how many days a week are you training dogs? Are you seven days a week? Do you give them an off day or two off days? You know, I give them an off day. I think seven days a week is, is a little over the top. I mean, my puppies that are in my puppy program, you know, I can work with them seven days a week. Yeah, of course. Uh, but, but, you know, my advanced gun dogs or dogs that are in my, you know, intermediate gun dog program, they're working four or five days. Um, and that, and that's enough, you know, Saturday, Sunday is, is kind of their, their days of rest, uh, unless we have something I specifically need to work on, but we're not working just to work. Sure. Sure. It's good. That's good. I think that's good perspective too, for people, um, including myself, cause I probably been an overtrainer in the past. All right. Um, okay. Are you, uh, a, Samsung or Apple um, cell phone user? Man, I'm Apple. I'm Apple okay. all the way. It's just so easy to use. Dang it. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's fair. Good job. Uh, Good job and then, Steve. Okay. And then uh, last two here. Um, how big of a dog trailer are you hauling around? I have an eight stall, an eight stall Texan. And, you know, I have my British dogs tend to be a little smaller. So my younger dogs, I can put two or three in a stall at a time. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can potentially, you know, like the other uh, Monday, yesterday I had, um, I think I had 15 dogs in the trailer in an eight stall, you know? Yep. So, I mean, I had a, a lot of dogs in, in, you know, an eight stall. I know a lot of guys, you know, are working with 20, 24 stalls, uh, but they're dealing with much bigger dogs, but, you know, and, and I'm not taking them on big road trips, you know, loaded up two or three in one stall. That's not, you know, when we go on a road trip, it's one dog per stall, but for daily training, you know, I can, I can load that puppy down. Yep. Yep. Sure. Um, and then what kind of truck are you using to uh, haul that trailer around and, and just drive around, I should say? Uh, Ram 1500. Yeah. Okay. Yep. She's the workhorse. Okay. Dodge guy. I would, I wouldn't have guessed that. What would you have thought? Ford? I would, I would have thought F-150. I thought you've been an F-150 guy. I'll take that as an insult. Just kidding. <laughs> they make good trucks. I'm an American guy. I like Ford. Okay, that's fair. Don't want to don't want to alienate any potential customers. Yeah, you got it. You got it. I'm the businessman at heart. <laughs> that's fair. All right, that's all I got, um, Blaine. Um, so why don't um, you know? Why don't you give like some contact information? It, it can just be social media information. Where how can people get a hold of you? If they have questions um, about British Labs. If they want to get to know you, if they want to potentially get a puppy from you in the future, they want to send their dog to training for you. Like how can they? How can they get in touch with you? So uh, probably the easiest way is to go through my website, wrkennels.com. It pretty much just gives you every information, bit of information you would need to to kind of feel like you're the right fit. We're the right fit for each other, whether you're going to buy a puppy, a started dog, finished dog, or send your dog in to train with me. Uh, WRKennels on Instagram, you know, you can look me up, Blame Winans on Facebook, or just look up Winans Retriever on Instagram or Google. Yep. Um, and you should be able to, to pick me out and, and you should be able to have your questions answered and, you know, find my phone number and email. Perfect. Yeah. Yep. And I will, uh, I'll link up some of that information in the show notes too. Um, so people can go ahead and, and access it from there. Uh, Blaine, um, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been a good time. It's, uh, we always have a good time when we get together and chat. So really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to jump on here again. Um, I'm sure we will talk, we'll talk again very, very soon. Um, but until then, man, have a good night. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Tyler. Have a good one. Yep. Take care. That's it for this week's episode. If you found value in the content or enjoyed the conversation, I have a few favors to ask. First, hit that subscribe button. Second, share this podcast with another gun dog owner. Those two things uh, would mean the world to me and they hopefully won't take you more than 30 seconds. Last thing is if you have another 30 seconds, go ahead and leave a review. Your feedback is important and it's what drives this podcast uh, so that I can make changes and improve it going forward.